Hello everyone, we are back. This is the I Get Buckets podcast and we are listening to the first edition of 10 mini podcasts where we're reviewing the fantasy draft recap for the Cougars League. We're going to go through teams 1 to 10, talk everything about the, the trending players, the sleepers, the deep cuts, how teams are stacking up and my thoughts on everything NBA in terms of fantasy looking towards the season 22-23. So it's been a little bit of a break now, but we're back. It's a little less than a month now until we get actual NBA basketball in terms of the regular season, but we've got preseason and a lot of things that are going to come up to keep the content um, full and getting us ready to, to dive into the deep, the real stuff um, for basketball. So it's an exciting time. Um, we have done these podcasts, I think, for the past two years now, and we're going to kind of stick to the same format. I'm going to go through each team. We're going to project out everything um, in terms of the players here looking at a head-to-head format, points league, um, very specific to people in the league. Um, and it's going to be really fun. I'm going to go based on my personal rankings, I guess, up top. And this kind of takes uh, a look at all of the teams we're going to do. My rankings are just that. Um, they're very kind of speculative, but it gives us like a base on on where I think, you know, these players sit. And um, it's going to be good to go through all the teams and kind of give some quick thoughts and where I think uh, some of the projections for the team might go. But as we know, <laughs> things happen quickly in the NBA and things kind of twist and turn. I know we're sitting here uh, recording a, a year ago now um, and some of the, the injuries and the, the things with Zion and Ben Simmons and everything going forward uh, change quite quickly and, and kind of pulls teams' trajectories um, off the road uh, um in a, in a fashion that is quite hard. So I'm hoping this doesn't really happen to, to any teams now. But I think one of the most interesting things with this draft and why I was so excited is we kind of have come in a little bit cold in terms of the NBA ESPN website, not having a lot of their projections up for 2023. It's been very hard to get uh, information on, on specific players unless a certain podcast or whatever is talking about it. So we've come in um, with some players where we have a little bit more of an idea of what's going on in the offseason, but still a huge question mark on where they're going to go. Um, and this has happened, I think, more than any other season coming in in terms of, as the aforementioned Zion and Ben Simmons, but now we're looking at Russell Westbrook, um, you know, Michael Porter Jr., um, players that just really didn't play last uh, year in terms of Jamal Murray, Jonathan Isaac, a few others that are, are really kind of interesting to see where people were going to take them. And um, a top 10 that I think was very much set um, from one to four, but then a real question mark on where it was going to go. So these podcasts, I think um, I always say I'm going to try to keep it <laughs> as short as possible and not kind of waffle on, but, you know, doing every team in about 30 to 40 minutes and trying to, to pull it together um, at the end on, on some of the broader thoughts. But we did mix it up last year, um, but I think <laughs> maybe for the sake of just, um, I guess, uh, making sense, we're going to go from one to 10, um, through each team. Um, so starting, I guess, this podcast with the team that drafted number one, going through each of their uh, picks for all 15 players and then going on what I thought was the best, uh, the worst, the sleeper and a wild card and, and put it kind of out there. So again, you know, just my thoughts, some some mostly positive things to say and maybe some things that I was surprised on draft night or, or would be concerned uh, pushing forward. But um, for the most part, I think, you know, everyone's, 
you know, stuck to their guns and, and, and drafted in a manner that um, is going to make it a real competitive kind of league. But um, it's, it's, it's great to be back and, and chatting basketball and hopefully everyone gets a kick out of these things. I know I enjoy, um, you know, putting some time aside to, to, to hash things out and talk on what was a, a day that was much anticipated for me and other people in the league. So it was, it was a great time and, and great to, to have basketball um, on our radar again. So without further ado, we're going to go straight into the team that picked uh, number one. So we have... Dale Sixlinski um, with the, the team name changed just before um, we kicked off proceedings on the grand final eve. And I think it's a bit of a no-brainer number one pick here with Nicole Jokic. I don't think I really need to waste too much time here. I think there was potentially a decision on one and two this year, only in the fact that you could, you know, sell me on, the, on, on Denver Nuggets having, um, you know, a slightly different kind of looking team, especially with, you know, potentially Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being back into what, you know, the rotation and the offensive mindset of, of, of how those players can kind of factor in, um, you know, does that lessen the upside of, of Jokic in somewhat, um, you know, potentially, but I think we've seen, you know, the, you know, otherworldly kind of way that he applies himself to the basketball and in the fantasy format and he's counting stats like, um, the only way you would not go number one is just because we have this number two <laughs> sitting there in Antetokounmpo who is as otherworldly in terms of the the counting stats um, projections up. So you could have sold me on, on you know, a, a, a number one on either of those guys if you wanted to put forward. But I think the, the simplest way to kind of look at it is to, to look at how he, um, you know, led our past, you know, champion last season to, to victory on, off the back of being, you know, a consistent, you know, player who is there basically every game and putting up no short of, you know, 40 points per game um, in terms of fantasy points, an average of 42.9 um, last season cracking, you know, the total points of 3,000 for I think the first time we've ever seen in the fantasy format that we play. I mean, obviously, we changed the, the scores a little bit slightly um, last season, but 3,173 um, was a mammoth thing. You know, six, um, roughly, you know, 380 points more than Giannis, I think it was, maybe even more than that. And that's the second, like, so the gulf between those two, you know, puts a, a case to say he's an easy number one pick. No-brainer. Happy to kind of move on. There's not much to say that hasn't already been done. Um, what I do say that has been said is that you pick number one, you wait until number 20. We're looking at the snake format. And that's when, you know, whether depending on the year to year, if someone's going to fall to you, I think, it, you know, your, your picks two and three become quite monumental um, as a number one pick because I think these are, are probably a little bit easier, but you can get kind of real value from from people you thought they might have gone in the teens and, you know, your 20 and 21 pick feel a lot easier um, than your 40, 41 pick that comes on the next swing. So Devin Booker here was his next pick at 20. And I, I really do think um, I can get behind this pick in a big way. Personally, based on kind of how last season went, um, I looked at the top 10, 15 and said, okay, well, where can I kind of find a situation where I don't care what's going to happen around the corner and there's so many like turns and, and barriers and things that um, have changed players' trajectories over, you know, the last, you know, I guess 12 to 24 months. But which players, regardless of anything that's going to happen, are going to have the exact role that I'm going to, I'm no drafting from draft night, who are young, who are playing all these games, who are going to have such a, a high floor that I can rely on in the first, you know, two rounds. And 
after the top four that I think we all kind of consistently were um, on board with agreements in, in our Jokic, Antetokounmpo, Doncic, then Embiid, spoiler alert, exactly how the way it went on on draft night. That next step of bracket, okay, what are the these young kind of guys who, you know, the floor is so high that I can rely on them um, from, you know, around one or round two value to, to kind of hold me in good stead across a whole NBA fantasy season. And I, I did think that Devin Booker was in the group of these players. So potentially if you didn't think he was a first round player, I did view him as a way in, in an early second round player. So to, to get him at the end of the, the second round, I thought that was fantastic. Devin Booker, I, you know, I had him as high as eight on my first rankings when I went in blind and kind of just kind of threw names down, um, slowly bumped him back as I kind of went through the process of, of nailing things out. But I really only, you know, put him back to 13 on, on my big board. Um, so I do think the value at, at, at 20 here is is right up there. You know, his average was very healthy last year of 28.2. And I know the Suns were great um, regular season team and maybe there's expectations they're not going to be as good regular season. I don't think that's going to have anything to do with um, Devin Booker and his kind of counting stats and what he's going to bring. Um, I still think, you know, the trajectory is up for him. Um, so while a lot of things went right for him last season, um, I don't have a real reason to, to think it's not going to, you know, go really similarly and I can really bank on on what he's going to give me from night to night. So I, I think he was a, a lot less risky than a few of the guys that went before him. So I think this is a, a really good pick um, for, for Dale's team here. Um, and I think he's, he's kind of gone consistent in, in, in great value there um, and then thrown kind of real curveball for the next one. Um, we got 21 picks deep, I think. Um, the first gasp, I think, from everyone was was pick eight, and we'll get to that when it comes to the time. But twenty one was probably the next one, and that was drafting Evan Mobley. So a, a huge kind of bet on what he's going to be, and I think you know you listen to to everyone who's got an outlet um, basketball wise uh, in terms of in the media. And people, you know, no one says a bad word about Evan Mobley, and it's hard not to dis- disagree with the trajectory here. You know, the the defense, the Kevin Garnett kind of comparisons, the the way that you know he handles himself, and then he kind of fit into the team. The way he went from you know being a rookie to being you know such a big part of what they they were doing so quickly and felt so comfortable and like you know the talk about you know he, he can be you know a top five NBA player um, in the near future quicker than than more. Some people may expect, you know, I buy into all of all of the talk so far. Um, I think you can't um, dismiss any of, of these kind of lofty projections just given the way he's played and held himself. I guess the question is, does that translate to fantasy and does that translate this season? Um, I think it's a hard question, especially because I, you know, I did struggle with the four of the Cleveland kind of players who we've seen have been <laughs> really, the, the three other ones other than Mobley in Obviously, Garland um, and Jared, Jared Allen, who had really good fantasy seasons last year, and now we throw in the addition of Don, Donovan Mitchell. When I went down to the rankings and have all four of them together, um, I did have Jared Allen as this last kind of Cleveland player, which you know blows my mind. Um, only because you know he averaged twenty-seven last year, and that was you know the best of all of them. Um, but yeah, going in, I, I think everyone probably had that similar way where you know these other three potentially are. Are, are right up there, but 
to have Evan Mobley not just as the first of, you know, these Cleveland players, but so much of, you know, <laughs> thinking he's going to be not just better than the others, but I think exceptionally better to the point where you take him at uh, pick 21. You know, I do think it's it's a real kind of leap of faith and, and a risk to, to go this early. I guess we, we do talk about the weight um, and I think what we've seen historically is if you want a player and you think that they may not get back to you, that you're going to have to, you know, buy, you know, dung and, you know, uh, uh, go for them at the position that you think they, they need. If you are really betting on, on this step up and you, you want the guy that you want, um, I think the offs, you know, the, the, the bad kind of <laughs> risk that comes attached to that is that, you know, the quality of players that are coming after uh, you picking Mobley at 21 is, is significant into the point that, you know, he only averaged, you know, your 20 last year in terms of fantasy um, output. You think that that's going to go up purely because he's um, into his second year, he's more comfortable, um, 23.1 average last year, sorry. Um, that, that That's going to get better. But I think there is a little bit of a, um, you know, a cap on to, to how much it is just purely based on the makeup of the Cavs team and what they're looking to do. Like, I think he becomes more and more a part of, you know, what they're doing defensively and, you know, the stock. But offensively, he's, you know, still a work in progress. And, you know, I think some of the post stuff and the mid-range game is there. But Jared Allen doesn't shoot threes. They've kind of moved on Larry Markin. And, like, where does where does he kind of fit sometimes in, in the flow offensively? How many times is he going to get his name called um, throughout the course of a game for him to be a pick 21? Um, so that's why, you know, I had him you know, a little bit behind Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland in terms of where I think the fantasy points are going to come from. Um, you know, I, I think the defensive kind of the the blocks and the efficiency, everything is going to be fantastic. You do think he's going to build from his 23.1 um, upwards. Um, so I'd love, you know, an average of 25, um, 26. I don't want to be too down um, on him only because last year I was like, oh, you know, he might come in, he might take a little bit of time. And we saw last year the rookies were just like otherworldly in terms of how ready they were for an NBA season. So huge, huge stock in Evan Mobley. Um, I do think this is if you're even if you were super high on him around early, um, and that you know players going after him, whether it's big men Anthony Davis and, and Bam um, in the same round, I think have got a little bit more, I guess, background consistency that I can kind of rely on. Anthony Davis, you could potentially say as you know injury question marks, but I I, I think it's a it's a real kind of leap of faith here one and and one that if he was top twenty player at the end of the season, fantasy wise I would be surprised. Um, so yeah, big big risk on that one, but I think we're all on the same school of thought that he's going to be amazing. It's just is it this year given the makeup of the Cavs team doesn't suggest that you know here's this walk in. Um, usage rate that's going to translate to points. Um, next up, again, you know, we have the bit of the break. Someone that was an interesting pick last year. So we go all the way to 40 and we've got De'Aaron Fox next. A tale of two halves almost. I think last year I was very down on the De'Aaron Fox um, pick only because, you know, the I guess he hasn't progressed um, in the areas that you're hoping for in terms of this like franchise cornerstone point guard, 
Um, you know, you can talk about the Sacramento Kings and their direction, a few other things, but um, there was the question mark about Tyrese Halliburton and how it's going to all fit. And it did seem that, you know, once the, the trade kind of went down and he felt, I think, maybe potentially a little bit more comfortable in they're not just trying to move his salary and, and where is it going to go. They kind of doubled down and said, oh, well, we've paid him. We think he's more valuable to us than he is anyone else. Um, you know, he's, you know, one of the quickest, if not the quickest, you know, in the NBA with ball in hand. Um, what we see, you know, he can get to the line, the free throw line and ease. He can get downhill. You know, the passing isn't really... Um, Amazing for 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 a point guard in the NBA these days because of his size, I think a little bit. But I, like I think the mid range game and and the all round, I guess effort and and you know way to kind of that he you know fills the passing lanes and you know fast break opportunities. It's all it's all there. Um, and my concern last year, I think, was kind of came to the front in the first half of the season where the shooting wasn't really there and he kind of like bottomed out a lot. <laughs> on his projections, but I think you can kind of look at the end of the season and say, oh, well, this guy's upside in terms of just his counting stats is is huge. The way the, the Kings offense is, is going to be built, um, you know, if he can get this, you know, pick and roll game with Sabonis. I think, you know, average of 24.9 last year is, you know, obviously low if you think that the the end of the season um, is real. I had him at 42 on my ranking, so I had him kind of right there. I was, I had these other guys, you know, that were more safe ahead of him that I think had, you know, more elements to the game that are going to grow. Um, but it's hard to overlook what he did last year to, to, to body him out too, too much, you know, behind where he's kind of gone here in that 40 mark. So um, I think. Again, it's it's not one that I'm going to get super stoked on and wrapped, but I think he's picked it at the right time. And if you're betting on what's going to happen at the end of last year, translating to this season, you know, there's there's really kind of no more confusion about what his role is in the in the team. And I think that's a big tick. And I'd be happy to kind of take him here. <laughs> I wonder if I'm going through all these teams and they're going to have these blocks of, you know, two. One feels like safe and good where I had him in the rankings and the next one's a bit more crazy. <laughs> See if the trend goes. But this time again, I guess Dale goes, all right, I'm going to take one for me <laughs> and one that's more safe. And then, and he's gone Paolo Banchero at uh, pick uh, 50 here, uh, which is 41, I should say. So um, the, the start of round five at pick 41, uh, our first rookie um, for the season and or for the draft, and it was the rookie I think everyone was would have taken first. Um, back if you cast yourself your mind twelve months ago, a lot of rookies being taken, and they they're hard to kind of gauge. I think it's you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and we looked back and said, oh well, the people who picked up you know Josh Gideon, Scott Barnes, um, and even Evan Mobley, the value that was got from them was you know out of control. But we need to be saying, well, Jalen Green and, and Jalen Suggs, I think, going into the draft were two of the more safer projected rookie picks to take um, who were, you know, Jalen Suggs in particular became unplayable in terms of a, an asset for a 15, um, you know, person team in a 10-man league. And, and Jalen Green was a really rough own for a long time. So I think even with last year, you know, it's not clearly consistently that, you know, rookies walking into a role are going to translate to the way that you'd think. I, I do 
uh, a lot more on the side of, you know, Paolo's going to have a, a Scotty Barnes slash Evan Mobley kind of fantasy trajectory rather than the, the Suggs um, situation. I know Orlando were kind of stacked at the, the power forward position, I feel like, but, you know, he's going to walk in if you listen to a lot of the, you know, the talk on fantasy, he's going to walk into this, you know, 2010 kind of like uh, trajectory of, of, of allowance Um for for a rookie player, he's you know their their best player. He's their number one guy. They're going to build around him. All these things make me feel really positive about Paolo. Um, I do think it's not that clear cut and simple that you know oh yeah well, our number one pick's going to come in and just kind of run the offense and we're going to do things for him and he's going to rebound um, you know consistently in kind of numbers from day to day. You know I do think there's going to be a little bit more ebb and flow to the game as we go, but I think you know. Watching what we've seen briefly in the way he carries himself and the way that Orlando kind of built that, I'm you know I do think he's the, excuse me the first Orlando player that that you pick um, and the upsides uh, quite crazy good. So I think at pick you know forty one, it's it's really not that early. Someone was going to do it. It was about who was going to do it. I had him at fifty four um, on my board, so it's not like as you know, high as, um, you know, I, you know, would have taken him, you know, in the next round later. So, and I think other people would have had him higher than me on the 54. I just think, you know, you're, you're passing on, on, on guys that are still out there that, you know, are consistently shown us that they're going to, you know, probably hit the levels that Paolo is going to hit if things go right. So that's where, you, you know, you're betting against other guys on the board, like a Jalen Brown or a, a Zach Levine or a DeAndre Aydins who have all, you know, averaged really, really good last year and for will you don't think are, uh, are going to change that thing. So you're, you're betting that not only is this rookie going to come in and have an amazing season, he's going to be, you know, a top 40 player in the in the league, which I think is a huge step given that, you know, we saw everything kind of go right in the terms of Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. And even they weren't, you know, a top 40 um, fantasy player. Um, but... You know, all power to you. I think it's I think it's a good pick and someone who's gonna play. Um, and you know, the magic are a little bit of a, a roll the dice after Paolo. Um, and things are gonna be good. No, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm really interested. I think the next pick that uh Dale takes now at uh pick sixty was one of my favorites of him. I think it's a really, really good pick. Um, Jalen Bronson, I think you know, was very curious where he was going to sit in. Obviously, team of players that you know move in the off season. Um, new New York Nick, new New York Nick, <laughs> big contract. Um, I've kind of vibed him on. Obviously, people are going to say, "Oh, here's what he did in Dallas without Luca," and basically kind of take that uh, statistical like projection and kind of land it in his new role now, and maybe even pump it up a little bit. And I, I, I do kind of like that. I think you know, watching him run an offense the, the way that he, you know, did in Dallas um, when he had the opportunity. Um, but I think he's going to be able to try a little bit more. I think he's going to be a little bit more, um, you know, crafty and, and, and willing to kind of have a lot of, you know, the mid-range game and, and really attack the basket. He's a little bit smaller, but I like, I like the offensive um, kind of projections of, of him in New York in terms of what we saw when Derrick Rose had the opportunity um, when, you know, the Knicks were out of point guards, you know, putting him in that, but like much better in terms of that's the blueprint of what he can kind of do. But I think, um, obviously as a younger player, Derek Rose, this is, you know, off the injuries, the back end 
of, of his career at New York. But, you know, take, taking what we saw with that in fantasy and kind of pumping it up, I think he, in this position here in the um, our league at, at 60, a lot of those guys that um, are no-brainer, you know, positions are gone. And now you're like, oh, who's going to be their next jump? Who's going to you know, push them up? And he was probably one of the, the biggest candidates, I think, um, for me. Because, I, I mean, I had him at 50 on my board here. So, a pick 60, that's great. Um, I think that's that's really good. I would have been taking him with the next pick if I had the opportunity. Um, and as much as, you know, New York, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a whack in terms of um, their their winning history. And there's there's question marks in a lot of other players there. But I, I don't feel the same about Jalen Bronson, I think. Even as a new player that we haven't seen in the jersey, I feel quite comfortable about what he's going to do there. And I think he's been pitched um, by the organization on what he can do there and what he will be able to, you know, get the opportunity to do. So I think it's a really good one. Um, I'm happy with that. I think his neck pick at, at 61 is OG and Anubi and it's it's fine. Um, I found him hard to kind of uh, put only because he was a real sleeper last year, did enough to get us, you know, <laughs> Um, wanting more and, and seeing the, the elements of the game come together. But then, obviously, he got injured. Um, I think when you look statistically, like, the shooting is really good. The way he can kind of fill all categories is great. He almost feels like almost that kind of Pascal White. Um, obviously, they're on the same team. But then, you know, some of the – he just goes missing offensively. And um, I found him hard to kind of put – um, on my rankings with, you know, the emergence of, of Scotty Barnes. I think they've kind of relegated their expectations of what he's going to be to more of this role player three and D guy rather than giving him a lot more opportunity on the offense. And I still think there's elements of his game to be, you know, worked on and, and see kind of come to the front, um, especially given his age. And, you know, so I do think his best is ahead of him. Um, his average of 20.5 last year is fine. Um but I found it, you know, hard for for me to get really excited about his projection this season over some of the other guys. So I think he's less risky than you'd think when you hear a name OG and Anubi because last year and even before, it's like, oh, sleeper, you know, risk, he's going to come. So it could be bad, it could be good. I, I've kind of moved on from that to, to feel like, you know, he is who he is in the um, context of Toronto at the moment and the other players they've got. So, you know, I had him at 73 on my big board. So it's really not too early, but I do think there was potentially other people around and maybe, you know, he'll he'll start selling us on, on the the ceiling we, we thought for him maybe 12 months ago. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there's an element of risk there and um, he doesn't excite me as is as much as he used to. Um, so... We'll go, we'll go on to round eight now. So the eighth pick for Dale, um, bang on 80, is Clint Capella. One that I think for the past, you know, three years now, he's just, you know, <laughs> done enough to, to really pay uh, coaches back in kind um, for investing in him. Um, I think as long as he's kind of there and things, you know, ticking along, I'd bet on his role staying the same or that I that I would bet on, you know, things changing. I know you've got um, Onyeka Okomo kind of in the wings as I feel like he's kind of the future. But as long as you've got Clint Kapala kind of there, we've, we've seen he's, he's a better player than, than the younger options at the moment in terms of winning basketball and, and, you know, creating extra opportunities. And I think 
in some way, they have to move back from him slightly. But if he's long on the roster, they, they, you can't move away from him completely to the point where he's not your you know, first kind of choice center guy who has a per 36 numbers that are you know off the chart and really kind of um, conducive to, to, to fantasy. So that's why, you know, an average of 24.2 last year, you know, seems really good. But, you know, those things that I've mentioned, you know, are the kind of uh, causes or risks why people don't go into rounds earlier because they're a little bit worried about how it kind of looks over the course of the season. You know, he has been injured before a couple of times, but I think this is the time to get him. I had him and then kept kind of slowly bumping him down my rankings, but I felt I couldn't have him less than 62 um, on where I was doing. So I think at 80, um, it's a really good value. Someone that you just plug and play. Um, scored 17 or nearly 1,800 points last year, which is you know, a significant um, amount compared to other players who were going around this this time here. So um, the fact that he got picked you know, just after D'Lo and, and, and Kuzma, even though I don't mind those players there either, I just think it's, it's good value. Round nine, so we're looking at pick 81 now with Colin Sexton. This one, uh, big asterisk, I think, on the projection of what it's going to do. You kind of throw last season's away and then look at the season before as a bad... A good stat, bad team kind of guy. Utah is going to be bad. Um, do they really have any other um, plan or, or, I guess, downside to kind of throwing Colin Sexton into this situation? No. So that's where, you know, the projections are a huge, huge on him. I guess the big one is that, you know, he's, he's coming off, you know, significant injury, um, playing eight games or something last year. What games that didn't look great, you know, for this very, very small sample size of what it is. Um so you are taking a little bit of leap of faith that he's just going to kind of come in as, as what he was uh, in Cleveland. But I, th- I think that's you know less risky than you think. I think it's fairly safe. I think most people had them on the radar around this time, and I think you know there's obviously a lot of grey that we're we're all kind of feeling in terms of what's going to happen. But I think it's a fairly safe bet that uh, Utah are going to be bad and he's going to be probably their best um, fantasy player. So in that aspect of getting, you know, the best player on a team at pick 81 is is really big. I just, depending, I wonder what the shooting stats are going to be and I wonder if Utah are going to get beat down and uh, they're not finished, you know, trading pieces away. Are they going to bring some other guys in? Because I do think there's a few interesting kind of guards at Utah, whether it's Nikhil Anderson Walker, um, you know, there's, there's pieces there that they, you know, might try and does Colin Sexton get caught up in a little bit of this kind of like um, tag on Utah just trying to find out um, what they've got with some guys. Um, I think in the wash though, you know, Colin Sexton comes to the front and probably gives you better than round nine value here. So I had him at 74 on my bat, on my big board, but <laughs> in my notes, I've got injury question mark, new team question mark, big usage question mark. <laughs> so it comes with a lot of kind of commentary behind him. Um, but I think overall, it's a, it's a savvy pick and smart one here. Um, we go to my next, and it's my boy, my guy, uh, Bobby Portis at pick 100. Um, Bobby Portis had a bloody amazing season last year. I bet on him in the second last pick of my team and it, it was one of the only you know good things to kind of <laughs> come uh, out of last season for me. An average of 21.1. Um, Lopez was injured for a lot of 
of all of last season, basically. And they kind of, you know, tinkered with things and Bobby Porter ends up starting. But I, I don't, you know, I I think the last season's probably uh, shows the best of Bobby Porter's. Um, I'm not expecting a huge kind of jump from, from what, you know, he did. But I, I, I do think what they kind of, you know, saw with him is, is, is kind of what you're going to get. And I think they're still going to play him quite a lot. I think they know that, you know, the, the mesh of, of what he can kind of do helps their best lineups. You know, the three-point shooting was crazy for him. I think that it might kind of uh, relegate a little bit, especially if he becomes more of a, um, I guess, defensive closing out on him, you know, quick, because you would see when they'd run sets, he'd kind of shoot a lot of his frees from the top of the key when he kind of trail um, in and his defender kind of got, you know, put into to coverages, you know, on the wings or double teams. And he kind of had these open threes because he had this 40% three-point um, shooting mark for a long, uh, like a most of the season um, that could really, really kind of, you know, buoyed up his, his fantasy stats. But it was really the offensive rebounds and the kind of putback stuff is is where, you know, you get the value from Bobby Porter. So I think it's still going to be there. I think it's really good. I had him at 78. Um, so, you know, to get him 100, uh, the last, you know, few picks from Dale here, I'm, I'm quite happy with. I think it's a, it's smart drafting, um, especially with a few of the risks at the top of the draft for him. And I think another risk, um, but a calculated one, and I think most of the, the, the people in the room on the day was, was pretty um, on board with is the risk of going Keegan Murray at, you know, 101. So, um, Summer League gets, you know, a lot of tongues wagging. I, I Sacramento are, are um, still a little bit, who knows? But I do think, you know, you're betting on, on a lot of, guys um, that they're betting on, you know, getting a real kind of run at it and Keegan Murray potentially starts from day dot and is a big part of what they're going to do, whether they play him at the three or the four. Um, I love Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes every year has kind of um, been the the guy that they have to rely on to play big minutes and switch and defend and and do a few other things. And I wonder if Keegan Murray can kind of um, take a little bit of the load off um, that, and then it, when they don't have to rely on Harrison Barnes, they'll, they'll throw as much opportunity um, on Keegan Murray's kind of shoulders. And we've seen the shooting. We've seen a few of the things. Um, I guess um, question marks are always going to come with, you know, someone who's never played, you know, a proper NBA game for the organization. And you're, you're you know, projecting on what he's going to do fantasy-wise with no real basis. But I think on, on what we've seen and, and what we think he's going to do and play, you know, minutes, I think it's a really good risk at this point. Um, I'd love that, you know, you get him, um, you know, with round 11. So there's still a significant amount of good players on the board, um, but it doesn't, um, you know, worry me that you'd want to risk um, a, a pick here because I think the baseline's pretty good. I had him at 91 on my big board. So again, the trend of, of Dale taking guys, you know, about 10 picks after on, on where I kind of had them ranked. So Keegan Murray is a, a really good one. Um, I think moving forward, Buddy Heald is his next pick at 120. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to get excited about Buddy Heald. I think last year I was more excited than I've ever been, which was weird. <laughs> but um, at Indiana, I guess, you know, you're thinking um, he starts next to Halliburton and, and, and Indiana have whatever they're going to do. Obviously, he's a bit of a trade concern at the moment. Um, he, he seems to be the, the piece that everyone... Um, throws into the trade machine on, on fixing things for 
other teams. But I think the Pacers, you know, wouldn't accept anything other than a uh, a first rounder for him right now. And I don't think, you know, trades are imminent. Um, I just, you know, 16.7 average last year. I was, yeah, okay, fine, not, you know, amazing. I just, it's hard for me to get super excited about the role and think that Buddy's anything that we've seen, you know, elsewhere. I think he is who he is now. He's a really um, willing and capable, you know, shooter that is valued in the NBA. Um, and he's going to do his thing. And I think they're going to try and prop up his trade value somewhat. So he's there. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I'd be getting a lot more excited about other players still um, left. It's fine. I had him at 135 on my board. So um, 120. Uh, I will preface to saying, you know, the players from about 120 to 150, you take with a grain of salt. Um, my <laughs> one by one kind of um, ranking from, you know, yeah, 120, 130 up to 200 I've got here um, is, is not an exact science. And I just kind of group players saying, oh, these are guys that I'd, you know, potentially be interested in the last couple of rounds. And, and Buddy Hill was there if I was wanting just a little bit more stability on, on knowing what he's going to get you. So I think it's fine. I um, would have loved him in, you know, the 13th, 14th, or even 15th round, um, really. Or more 14, 15. I, I can't say <laughs> he would have been fine in the 13th round because that's literally the pick after what he's got him now. So I should say 14th or 15th, I guess. But I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Um, next is Steven Adams, which I had a real. Um, I, a tough kind of job placing exactly where because we know what Stephen Adams is. He had you know a really respectable kind of um, regular season for him. Then got injured, and then the matchups weren't great for for a couple of things in the playoffs. And then you know he didn't really play. I think I think he's fine here. I mean, I think especially if you needed a center, um, someone that you know you know is going to play and is reliable. And you know Stephen Adams is a great you know club guy, and I think they love having him. Um, you know, in and around the team, and his average of 19.6, um, I would bet, is probably close to or if the highest of, of what the, the numbers were for averages for the guys taken after this. I think potentially Draymond Green uh, taking a fire out picks after this was a little bit higher, and Mo Bamba, <laughs> who was his next pick, who had a, a had a higher average, but um, I think... The, for, for the value of what's left, if you just want some consistency, Stephen Adams is fine. Um, you'll probably hang around your team and um, if, if you need to kind of cut something, um, maybe it's him, but you can do a lot worse. I wonder if they do go a little bit smaller on some of their lineups and he becomes a hard own if he doesn't get, you know, your 25 minutes a game. But I would, I would think, just especially in the regular season, that... Um, he's going to kind of get that same role. So um, moving to Mo Bamba, big fan. <laughs> I, I had him as probably my best free agent pickup last year. Super consistent. Um, shot threes. He did a lot. I really like him. I'm a bit worried about what his role is now. And they kind of kept him. There was a lot of talk saying, oh, well, he's gone. Maybe that was when they thought um, they were moving more in a Chet direction on the draft. Um, obviously they've gone Palo. I just think, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed at Orlando. They're really interesting. They had about six, seven players that I really liked in the back end of the draft. Um, you know, whether it's the, the point guard confusion or guard confusion with, you know, Suggs and Fultz and Anthony and what's going to do there. But I just think with Wagner now and with Palo, I think there's a few other people going through, um, 
I'd be happy to roll the dice now on your second last pick, but I want to kind of see see how it kind of goes um, for him. Obviously, Wendell Carter Jr. is probably the other big um, roadblock where if they push him more to a center to allow Paolo to play, like I I, I think that they, they want to play Franz, Paolo, and Carter together. Um, where does that leave Bamba? Is he now kind of your real kind of backup center um, guy? And I think he was reliant on, on the per 36 to be quite friendly or him playing minutes last season to pump you know some of the stuff up, especially if the three-point shooting isn't, isn't going down. Um, I think it's fine. Next is Patrick Williams. And this is a homer pick, but I don't mind it. I think I didn't have Patrick Williams as someone that I was really eyeing off to take. I you know threw him out there on my ranks because he's a very interesting concept, and then got worried about okay, well there's just there's not enough. <laughs> um, a lot, all most of what we know and what we want Patrick Williams to be is um, you know by basketball heads talking about how good he could be and you know the switchability and the defense and everything. It doesn't marry up until to what we've seen on the court in terms of fantasy that. There's there's other people out there that I want to you know take a take a die roll on, um, 168 on my ranking, so not someone I would have drafted, but someone that I'm happy to see gets an opportunity as a, a last round pick. Um, I guess the concern is you might have to hold him for longer than you'd want to see what he is, um, and then that's the problem with some of these picks where you oh should I have a you know a flag on him in free agency to kind of see how it fits. Um, instead of him being on the you know on your team as a liability kind of risk um, in the first few matches um, while you figure out his you know his role in the team and his rotation and, and what's it going to look like so I, I'd, I'd be concerned on on you know if that really kind of hurts you at the start but um, things might click and you know obviously you got him in your last pick so um, it's not too much of a of a down there so um, overall I think the team's kind of come together okay but you know there is a bit of risk <laughs> to a few of them, but I think um, I think it's come together quite nicely, and I'd be I'd be really interested to see the competitiveness of this team going forward. Um, best pick, I think, for me, the one that stood out and the one I kind of talked up quite a bit was Jalen Brunson. Um, I do think that's value at sixty for him. Um, I think the worst pick, and it's hard because I like you know I do like a lot of them. It'd be super rough for me to say <laughs> the first one that came to mind. So I do think maybe Buddy Hield is the worst pick. Um, it's just, it is what it is, 120. I think there's a lot of good value on the board. The one that could hurt the most is your Evan Mobley pick. And I say that with all due respect um, to him and what I think he's going to be. I think I already, you know, well, I'm not going to repeat myself, but that's the one that could hurt if he is not a, you know, a top 40 player. Uh, and there's a lot of good players in the NBA at the moment. And top 40 by fantasy standards and the competitiveness of what he's got on his own team, um, I think it's very realistic to say top 40 isn't automatic. So if you go with someone with pick 21, um, you know, it sets you up. But let's just say he's the wild card then um, to make things easier. Um, it's a real kind of who knows what's, what, what's going to kind of come out in terms of his box score. And I think the sleeper, an easy sleeper is probably Keegan Murray, but maybe let's just say Colin Sexton, I think is more interesting sleeper because we haven't really seen anything last year. Um, 
at 81, he does have the potential to really pay off, uh, I think, for, for, for Dale Siklinski here. So, um, interesting one. We're back. We're fun. 43 minutes, you know. That's probably around about where I'd go, um, this thing. So, nine more to do um, and one down. Um, but, yeah, hopefully everyone's getting a kick out uh, of this stuff and we'll keep through uh, listening to, to to the end of, of these kind of series. And by the time I think I've done all these, we'll be really close to uh, tip-off for, for real NBA basketball and, I guess, real fantasy um, coming back, coming hot um, into our lives again. And it's going to be... Another really good season. So thanks everyone for for checking out the pod and, and keeping with it so far. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll see you for for podcast number two very soon. So cheers and have a good one, everyone.